and welcome to Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you let go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon. I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today we're talking to Christine Platt, the Afro minimalist. know. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about her? Oh, okay. So we are privileged to have Christine Platt with us. She is a modern day Renaissance woman, also known as the Afro minimalist. She holds a BA in Africana studies, an MA in African American studies, and a JD in general law. She's an award winning author of over two dozen literary works. And her most recent book is The Afro Minimalist's Guide to Living with Less. It's a radical re-envisioning of minimalism that focuses on authenticity over aesthetics. Wow. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. How are you all doing? We're great. Great. (laughs) That's quite a resume you have there. Yeah, it's always funny when I hear people say it aloud. I'm like, is that me? That is me. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) I did it. Yeah, no, this is wonderful. So happy to be here in conversation with you all. Well, it's great to have you. And, you know, our, our focus here is on perfectionism. And the the first thing I have to ask is, um, you know, how much does perfectionism get in your way? I mean, it seems to me, having accomplished so much, there can't be a lot of perfectionism, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, no, I I think much like, uh, much like you and my recovering uh, <laughs> perfectionist. Um, and I think, you know, as anyone who has found themselves in that space, like it's very easy to get burnout. And I think at a certain point, um, you realize like there's no one way to do everything well, right? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I think what really sort of made that shift for me was motherhood. Um, I think I was pretty intense until I became a mom and then you know spent maybe like (laughs) those first few months trying to still you know maybe even the first year like trying to and I was just like this is unsustainable and yeah this is not going to work out right and yeah just started yeah living more of my truth which is you know I don't always have it all together um, I try and have it together as much as I can, <laughs> right? And, uh, and, 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 and I'm okay with that, right? Yeah, and, um, that's, all, that's all good enough, right? Yeah, it's good enough, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no perfectionism over here. Well, good for great. you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm somebody, I'm, this is Janine talking, and I don't struggle too much with perfectionism, and I feel absolutely, I feel just so fortunate that that's not part of my wiring because I feel like I'm able to get... Uh, to glide through life a little more happily and have perhaps have fewer frustrations. uh, Yeah, yeah. And I think people too, like I remember, you know, during my perfectionist years, just being very, um, I would say I was upset at the time at people who weren't. But, you know, in retrospect, you know, you realize you were actually jealous, right? Like Mm -hmm. I wished 
that I could have just been a little more lax and a little more lenient, right? Um, and ironically, that is the child that I was blessed with. Um, and so, yes, I spent 18 years learning those lessons, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I think that there is a lot of um, freedom. There's a lot less stress. There's a, you know, because it's just... You know, it's just, again, it's unsustainable. Um, I was talking to a writer the other night, and I said, okay, you know, we're texting back and forth, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to bed, and they're like, oh, not me. I still have hours ahead of me, and I was like, yeah, I remember that being me, and then realizing, like, I'm never going to catch up, right? There's no yeah. catching up. There is no, um, you know, ever getting to that point where, and then, like, what does that even look like? right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have friends that uh, get caught up, I guess, as much as they can be. And they're like, it just feels weird having nothing to do, right? Like, it's like, there's no, there's no way, again, to just be in this space where, like, if you stay up all night or try, like, there's always going to be something. And I said, you know, I've learned to just, I have to just cut it off at like 10 or 11. And whatever didn't get done, will get done the next day. And it works well for me. I'm with you 100%. Well, and, you know, what pops into my mind while you were speaking was um, that struggle, right, of, of trying to get more and more and done and be more productive or what have you. And when you, when you embraced a minimalist life, a journey, um, have you, did you find that things just got easier because you had less stuff that you're Oh, right yeah. Yeah. I mean, I talk to people about that all the time um, in terms of, you know, people who are perfectionists, people who are easily overwhelmed um, with clutter and certain things, right? Like it was just good for my mental health as much as I, you know, am not necessarily a perfectionist in like all areas of my life. It's very important for me and my space is not always as neat and tidy as I'd like it to be, but like it, it, you know, there has to be a certain order before I can even like focus on what I need to do that day. For people who find themselves in that space, like my daughter can work in clutter. It is nothing, right? For me, I'm like, I cannot even think looking at your desk, let alone if I was sitting there, right? Um, and so people Knowing that are, desk is in the house. <laughs> yeah, no, close your door so I don't see it, right? Um, you know, I think people that find themselves in that space that, you know, um, having a uh, minimalist lifestyle or lifestyle with less, if people find that term minimalism uh, too limiting, um, you know, having some order uh, and structure, those things are very, very helpful um, to us. And so, yeah, I have found this lifestyle to be very conducive um, to helping me be more efficient and helping me, um, you know, be as productive as I can with the time that I have, because I'm not so focused on the clutter, I'm not spending more time cleaning or trying to get thing or things organized, right. So it, it has been very beneficial, um, and helpful for me for sure. Right. And I imagine too, that you know, when you when you have more stuff, you spend time, you know, looking for things and, and, you know, it just, it eats up so much energy. It does. You know, it's so funny. I love that you mentioned that because <laughs> every now and then I, and I'm using the air quotes here, I yeah. lose something, right? <laughs> and I find myself like, oh my God, where did I put it? And then I just have to stop and laugh. And I'm like, 
listen, there's literally only so many places it can be. It's going to show up, right? Like, even that has helped me, right? It's like, where are my glasses? And it's like, you're in 630 square feet. Yeah, there are only two or three surfaces, right? Like, just go look and then go look in your bed, maybe like, you know, like, it's helped me because I remember just being like panicked that I couldn't find this or where's that shirt or where's this and it's like, all of those things just cut down on time and stress and unnecessary angst, (laughs) you know? Particularly in the clothing closet, if you ask me. I really enjoyed it in your your book where you described um, your process for letting go of clothes that uh, don't serve you anymore. And uh, I, as well, if I... I try to have few clothes. I've been working my <laughs> my clothes down a lot. And so I totally appreciate how much easier my life is now uh, that I know everything in my closet goes together. And I know. there's not, not that much there. And I, I, when I read, you know, I'm a professional organizer. So when I was reading your book and you suggested uh, inventorying all your clothes as a first mm-hmm. step, I, my first thought was, no way. Like, <laughs> my, I, my clients wouldn't do this. I, I, first right. of all, they're not going to pay me to inventory the clothes, but whatever. But and then I thought, okay, Geneva, what about you? You, you can mm. inventory your clothes. And I had actually recently decluttered my clothes, so, uh, but I had replenished a little bit. So I um, thought, I'm going to do it. And so I did it over the weekend. And I will say that I was surprised at, how, how many clothes I have when I, <laughs> right? when I added it all up. I was really surprised. I mean, I'm still yeah. okay with it because I can, it, it's not that, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't have any trouble storing it or finding any of it in my closet. But wow, um, I thought, yeah. you know, I thought I had basically, I had seven dresses and a couple of pairs of pants. Yeah, I have seven yeah. dresses, but <laughs> I have a lot of other <laughs> stuff too. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Um, I think... You know, that inventorying step for me was just so profound. It's like, you know, especially someone who has a lot. I mean, I had a lot of clothing, like a lot of clothing. Um, But saying a lot and then like seeing the number was just very much made me like, oh, I need to do something about this. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, do I? I'm like, I have a lot of jeans. And it's like, oh, actually, you have over 50 pairs of jeans, even though you were the same two, right? Like, it's so, um, and you realize, like, how you can, I don't want to say waste time, but how you can spend time in the morning, you know, like, searching, looking, searching, looking, searching, looking, right? And it's like, Oh yeah, goodness, I, right? I definitely call it wasting time because I'll yeah. just stand and and I'm not even actively doing anything. I'll just stand in my closet and it's like I'm waiting for something to pop out at me. Yeah, or something, something magical. You know, like. Yeah, you're like <laughs> <laughs> magic outfit appear, right? Um, yeah. I think too, the other thing doing inventory showed me um, was how much I don't wear right and and also Mm -hmm. what i wear that works for me right so one of the things that i discovered was you know what i have a lot of tops and bottoms that i don't wear and that was like my first discovery of like acknowledging i don't really like pairing things Mm -hmm. i prefer a dress or a jumpsuit something that is easy because i already have just so many decisions and things to focus on Mm -hmm. in life and the idea of having to also think about and choose what is going to pair and go well together. Mm -hmm. It's just not how I 
want to spend my time and energy, right? And so that helped me going forward because I would always, you know, I'd go to one of my favorite stores and I'd be like, oh my gosh, what a cute top. And now I know like I just have to acknowledge a cute top as a cute top and keep it moving because I am not a person who really likes to pair tops and bottoms. I saw all of these things kind of help you when you do an inventory, like really see the extent of your belongings, really be able to see your areas of overconsumption, right? Really be able to see the things that you're not wearing, but you may have an affinity mm -hmm. towards, you know, but I was like, I remember being like, why do I have so many jeans? And it was because that there was a local Goodwill that was amazing. I won't even say the name because then I don't want any of your listeners to go over there and find <laughs> themselves in the space. But they would just have like all these designer <laughs> jeans for like $10. And it's like, how do I pass up designer jeans for $10, right? And I realized like, oh, I am really, really, there's something here, right? Like mm -hmm. I am really attached to... Um, you know, the thrill of the hunt of finding these jeans, not necessarily wearing them, but the right. thrill of getting this deal, the thrill of getting a pair of, you know, $90 jeans, $200 jeans for $10, right? And so I had to stop going over there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that sort of parallels what we started talking about when you were talking about time and like you just had to draw a line with your time it's like I'm mm -hmm. just going to bed at 10 or 11 or whatever and like it'll get done the next day and it's like it sounds like in so many areas you you created you know sort of a boundary or mm -hmm. a or a space that you were comfortable with and let the rest go oh yeah for sure and it has, you know, I talk all the time about less being liberating and really wanting people to understand that that liberation manifests in so many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have all these like little epiphanies where I'm like, this is so liberating, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because yeah, like that is putting those boundaries in place and, you know, setting mantras for yourself, all of these different things, like it just is so liberating. I, I was sharing with someone the other day how, you know, uh, once the book came out, like there's all these features and articles and all these things about my, my living space. Um, and no matter how neatly organized it is, whenever there is a photo shoot, right, like I have to, I just do like this whole deep clean and then, you know, on top of COVID and everything, right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I have other things to do right like manage the anti-racism center work on all these other books and I remember I had a photo shoot coming up and I was like oh, I'm gonna have to do this deep clean and then I was like actually this is gonna be really therapeutic because it only takes me two hours to deep clean my entire house you know what I mean wow. like, that's amazing that yeah. is so <laughs> liberating um, you know and again if you're someone who is a you know recovering perfectionist or still finding yourself in that space or really like things organized neat and clean um, there's also something very therapeutic about cleaning um, and I'm sure that's you know when you only have to clean for two hours and not ten hours <laughs> right <laughs> right and so it's also very um, therapeutic but yeah like all of these things the fact that I could deep clean my house in two hours mm -hmm. is so liberating and so yeah. wonderful because I remember spending weekends right and I, I talk right. about and that you... in the book yeah like 
oh man, am I really going to do this or should I just go buy some more bins to, should I go buy some more things (laughs) to hide the things, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there's something that feels almost magical about the idea that like you can touch every space and thing Mm -hmm. in your house essentially in two hours. Like, so it's like you're keeping this connection, this energetic connection to your stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and I just appreciate, like I have full on appreciation and love and joy for everything that I have, right? And and I, I didn't have that before because I had so much stuff. It's hard to focus on what I did love, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It was, right. it was very easy for me to see what I didn't love um, and no longer needed, right? Um, and, and, and we forget because I, I do, I feel like, you know, so much of life, and this is like a shift in mindset, you know, we are very much focused on loss aversion, mm-hmm. right? We're always focused on more of what are we losing rather than what are we gaining. Um, and and what this sort of lifestyle, and, and as I continue to, you know, um, you know, enhance my practice and focus on my practice and, um, you know, just change certain things and reexamine certain things, I realize you know, just how liberating it can be. Um, Because I I am, my focus is so different um, than what it was before, right? And I, yeah, I am a big advocate for uh, anyone who, you know, they, a lot of people find the word minimalism to be very limiting or it evokes certain emotions of scarcity, lack, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, if that is your case, remove that word from your vocabulary and find a word or a phrase that works best for you. Um, it's why I call, you know, I say the book is the guide to living with less, right? For some people, a better word is simplicity. Whatever word can make it work for you, but to think about really um, almost sort of curating your home and your wardrobe to be uh, the space that you need it to be and and eliminating everything else. And you really will be able to truly enjoy the things that bring bring you joy and happiness, right? And not be so focused on those things that don't, right? And not be so focused on, well, if I get rid of this, Right, like you'll be so focused on what what's going to happen when I let it go. People are so focused on what they're losing, and I want people to focus more on what they're gaining. Um, right. Yeah, yes. with this practice, yes. and it's certainly not limited to wardrobe, right? I mean, it's true oh, no. of, of decorative items, of sentimental items. Yeah. I, I often advise clients who are hanging on to sentimental items, an abundance of them, that if they were able to select the ones they really enjoy and love, they're going to appreciate them more. Uh, absolutely display them or what have you yeah yeah it it is it's a remarkable thing and it's a your book i think does such a just a lovely job of explaining this the transition you went through or the journey that you've gone through and in a very gentle way that makes me that certainly resonated with me and made me want to take action um and i suspect it will be that way for a lot of people or is that way for a lot of people though because now it feels okay now I get I mean I got it already but I really <laughs> say, now I get why it, it's worthwhile going through this and then this the part the first step of um, acknowledging that why you uh, 
are where you are with your stuff, understanding why you've accumulated so much. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also interesting to let people know, um, cause I share this a lot. I'm like, you know, I'm still letting go. And they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like there's no number one, we have to remove this pressure from, excuse me, from ourselves, right? That it has to be done in a weekend or it has to be done in this amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that also goes back to when people ask, like, is there anything that you miss? And I'm like, no, because I kind of, I took my time letting go, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, also remembering that we are growing and evolving every day. So like there are things that worked for me a few seasons ago that no longer work. So yeah, it's a That's constant cool. work and process progress you know yeah. well it really becomes a way of life as opposed yeah. to a project that you did or that you're going to do yeah I I mean it is I tell people um it's a way of life it is the mindset right it becomes mm -hmm. just sort of um a way for us to to live with intention, right? I always tell people I, I really feel like uh, minimalism is the gateway to living with intention. That's how I feel. It's like a trick. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, there's no way that you can just be intentional with your wardrobe or, you know, with your home decor. Like that intentionality ultimately ends up trickling into every area of your life, which is pretty magical too, you know? Definitely. Well, that's one of the things that I just found so wonderful and unique in your book is that, you know, it, I think, as you're saying a minute ago, with minimalism, people see it as a particular aesthetic and that you're striving to reach a specific thing. And you talk much more about making it, you know, authentic for you. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I think like, you know, Imagine a, a cookie cutter version of minimalism, right? We can just even use Afro minimalism, right? Let's say if I was like, everyone has to have this Afro minimalist aesthetic, or you are not a true minimalist, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is not going to work for a lot of people, right? Even the way that my home was organized and the home decor that I had and the things that I had laid out, like it changed from when my daughter was a tween when I started this process to when she was a teen to now as an empty nest, right? So what my mm -hmm. version of living with less looks like now, there's no way it would work for a family of five. You see what I'm saying? So like it right. has to be authentic um, to your family dynamics, to the things that bring you joy, right? And, and it's not to say that, hey, look, you know, if the whole Scandinavian design works for you have at it right but if you if you do that and you and you start to feel like oh man this doesn't feel like home right for me it felt very sterile um i think it's also important to understand why you know that is a scandinavian design style is because of you know the limited number of of light that they receive at certain times of the year, right? Like, it's like, there's a reason <laughs> yeah. that they, um, 
you know, use light colors and fabrics and keep things uniform and have certain um, layers and textures, right? And, you know, here we are, you know, trying to, you know, incorporate this element <laughs> into yeah. into, a, a, into a living uh, space and time zone uh, that, that doesn't even need that, right? Um, it also makes me think about um, Marie Kondo. I remember her getting a lot of flack saying like, oh, you only need to, you know, you should only have 20 books. And people were like, 20 books, that's insane, right? And it's like, <laughs> well, actually, the area, you know, where where she developed her philosophy um, is very humid, right? And books mm -hmm. do not do well um, in that particular environment and climate, right? And people were just like, I could never, you know? And so it's like, <laughs> you got to just take bits and pieces that work for you, Um you know, I have uh, conmarried my closet many times. Um, I have also discovered parts of that that don't work for me, right? Like I do not have dressers and drawers because I am one of those individuals that a dresser and drawer for me, that is anything that, that can hide something. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is a storage facility. I don't know what you yeah. call it, right? Like you can call it a dresser. You can call it a basket with a lid. It is a storage facility for me, right? And so when I went through my belongings, I very quickly discovered that I had a lot of stuff hidden and tucked mm -hmm. away out of sight, right? And so for that reason, I don't, I mean... The, her folding method, it is beautiful. It is magical. I, you know, like every other mom, I look at those images and I'm like, that is so amazing, right? But like that would never work for me in practice because there's no need for me to fold things, right? So you almost right. like you have to curate and create your own minimalist practice that is going to work well again for your family dynamic your needs what brings you joy and having an authentic practice I feel like is the only way to to maintain a, a minimalist lifestyle or lifestyle with less it has mm -hmm. to be focused on your on your specific needs I agree 100% in that concept of you know the combination of authentic authenticity and and intention are just together so powerful Right. That, yeah. really, that really resonated me with me in your book. Um, yeah. And somehow the, the uh, sort of cookie cutter approach to minimalism that I seem to have um, perceived uh, just didn't didn't feel it didn't feel right to me. Um, yeah. Even and though I, I embrace living with less. I wouldn't I <laughs> call myself a minimalist, um, but I've, and I have plenty of stuff. But yeah, that uh, it, and my stuff is authentic to me. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And I think even too, like when you think of your clients, right, this idea that you have to be intentional, not only with what you buy, but also what you allow and accept into your space. Because that's another, you know, mm -hmm. people say like, oh, I decluttered and I got more stuff. I decluttered and I got more stuff, right? It's like, we got to talk about the psychology of ownership here. You have to understand the why behind your purchases, why you have motivations, why you're attached to certain things. But you also have to learn to say no, mm -hmm. right? There were a lot of things that I found during my uh, decluttering that I realized were things that I accepted from well-meaning loved ones, oh, right? Mm -hmm. And I have, I have learned how to politely decline things or to accept things and say like, hey, if I take this and it doesn't work in the space, are you okay with me regifting it or would you rather take it back? Mm -hmm. Right. If that's if this doesn't work, would you rather me donate it and find a home for it, or would you rather me return it? 
to you, right? Or flat out saying like, this was so thoughtful. Thank you so much. Um, But unfortunately, like it just does not work with my space or I know I'm not going to wear it, right? And what ends up happening is over time, you know, people who love you and who care about you, they are going to, you know, one day you'll just get a text that says like, hey, I was in this store and I came across X, but before I buy it, let me send you a, a show you a picture. And I'm like, yes, we have made it. <laughs> I was waiting for this text, right? Now you are understanding and, and respecting my boundaries because that's really what that is, right? It's setting boundaries and saying, I am being very intentional about what I allow and accept into my life. Um, you know, and, you know, there are people it's going to take, you know, especially, I feel like moms, <laughs> close <laughs> friends, right? Like it takes them a minute. Um, right. but you know, ultimately they will, they will get it. And if they love you, they will respect that. And no one wants to overburden anyone. Right. Um, I've also found it helpful to have recommendations, um, for, for folks. Right. So I may, recommend a uh you know like hey i love gifts that disappear right you need some recommendations right (laughs) right? like incense cookies you know like there's right because really what it comes from is people feeling like i want a way to honor and celebrate you and we have been taught in our society that the way to do that is through gifting but there are so many other ways um you know i share in the book Um, how one of the best gifts that I ever received was actually uh, someone donating a cow in my honor through Heifer International. And Mm -hmm. I got to know uh, the village that it was going to, you know, how it would impact uh, this one particular family. I mean, it was just so fascinating. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I didn't need another thing, right? And so getting creative um, with with gift giving and giving folks... um, you know, just some options to work through, I think is, is always helpful as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's so important. Well, I feel like we could talk to you all afternoon, Christine, <laughs> but I know, <laughs> I know you have other things that you need to get to this afternoon. Um, so can you share with our listeners where they can find you online? Sure, sure. Um, I You can find me online at theafrominimalist.com. And then I'm also very active on Instagram, right? Again, being very intentional. I learned like I can't spread myself thin across all these platforms, right? So yeah. um, the community that um, where I have just the most engagement and, and I feel like we grow and learn together is on Instagram. Um, my handle is uh, Afro Minimalist. And um, yeah, I respond to, you know, my comments, my DMs, right? Um, because there are a lot of times things that people don't want to ask or post publicly. And I understand that. Um, and yeah, I do a lot of, uh, you know, podcasts and author talks, and I try and get this message out as much as possible. Um, and everything is, is uh listed on my website and you could also email me um so yeah that's great. how you can find me um but this is great i feel like i was talking to two girlfriends i feel like i could <laughs> also talk to you all all afternoon um and yeah this is wonderful any last questions i'm happy to answer um i'm just wondering if you have any sort of 
closing advice for people who are dealing with perfectionism, like how to get started in this journey of living with less? Yeah, I mean, I think one of, I mean, I have so many tips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I think, you know, really being easy on yourself and extending yourself some grace is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiving yourself, you know, a lot of perfectionism um, behaviors are rooted in our childhood, you know, expectations that were placed on us, um, our family dynamics. I know for me, it stemmed from my brother just being, I mean, he just was so much trouble that I felt like I cannot be, I cannot <laughs> add any oh. extra trouble, right? <laughs> um, and so just always trying to be the good kid, right, and make things easier for my parents, you know, that sort of, um, you know, continued through adulthood, right? So I think also trying to get to the root causes of where that perfectionism started and if it was in childhood, kind of nurturing that inner child and talking to that inner child and understand that, you know, it's a process, right? Like no one just wakes up one morning and is like, I am no longer perfectionist, done, right? It's like... (laughs) No, I feel like I'll always be in recovery. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's just like this serious recovery mode. And that's where like, you know, extending yourself some grace and forgiving yourself in those moments um, that you, you know, you still find yourself resorting to those habits and behaviors. It's okay. Um, You know, um, but you have to, you sort of have to tackle it head on and acknowledge that this is where you are um, and take, you know, take steps to sort of do things differently. And maybe it's starting in one area of your life, right? I am no longer going to be a perfectionist with how I, you know, manage things in the office. I am no longer going to be a perfectionist with my closet, with my kitchen, with my, you know what I mean? And just like slowly, um, you know, implementing, um, you know, just some of those habits and behaviors Mm -hmm. into other areas of your life over time, you know? So I think those will be like all of my like foremost tips. Right. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. And we would like to hear from you, our listeners. Um, Are you embarking on a living with less journey? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram at getting to good enough. On Twitter, we're at GTG Enough. You can leave a message at 413-424-GTGE, that's 4843. Or you can head over to gettingtogoodenough.com and leave a message in the show notes. Uh, But for now, this is Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. And we hope that good enough is getting easier for you. that book it's so good yeah you're gonna buy it for your husband right (laughs) i am